you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. The Around the League Podcast is a Pop Warner sensation. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hanses, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Chris Wesseling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Yo. How you doing? What is happening? It's Wednesday. Hump day. <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> we just broke some big news right before the podcast started. Oh, yeah. The Around the League crew, all four of us. Unfortunately, Kevin Patrick will not be able to go, but the four in this room right now will be descending upon Manhattan for Super Bowl, whatever number it is this year. That I is was, great news. That's a boss move right there. I was just Pulling thinking, strings. I hope he uses the phrase descending upon because that's exactly, we're like a plague of locusts taking over the city. <laughs> so we're going to go remote for the ATL podcast for that, I would think. Oh, right? yeah. We should be able to get some good guests, maybe. Oh, well, no. we don't really like having guests, though, because they just take up our airtime. Yeah, Plus, we're like, kind of like guests outsiders, just, you know, seeing the view from the outside. We're not sucked into the corporate machine. We only work for the corporate machine. Last year, they brought, I think it was two semi-functioning like lavalier mics so we're going to need to up the equipment in hall there was yeah that was by far the worst uh, atl debate club was the one live from the super bowl but it's going to be different this year i'm excited about it we're all excited but let's let's talk some football and we'll start we very rarely do we talk about the monday night game because i know by the time many of you listen to it it's already Thursday, but we're going to talk about it, but we're going to more spin forward. We're going to talk about what it means. And the Carolina Panthers, Greg, I'm, I got on your side. You and I both picked the Patriots. They almost pulled it out. Very controversial ending, but the Panthers came out of it with the 24-20 win. Um, Greg, I'll, I guess I'll open with you on this. What does this game mean for both teams? Give me some big picture macro takeaways. Well, you guys know I've been very optimistic about my Patriots all season. I picked them to make the Super Bowl. I've stuck by that, and I feel better about them after that game 
than I have all year because I wanted to see if that game against Pittsburgh was a fluke or is their offense really back. They did whatever they wanted on offense against the Panthers. Their shortest drive was eight plays. They had 390 yards in seven drives. Their defense obviously has problems. They came up short in a tight game against the top five team, but I actually feel better about them now uh, than I have at any point this season. I was more impressed with the Patriots in that loss than I was in any win this year. I agree. They were going against the number one defense in the NFL, as far as I'm concerned, and they moved the ball up and down the field the whole game. Uh, I just thought, you know, that was more impressive even than the Steelers game to me. They protected Brady well. I was surprised. He just looked, I mean, maybe it's, we shouldn't be so surprised. You get Gronkowski, Ridley's on the field more, Amendola's healthy, and Vereen was a huge difference maker, and suddenly they look a lot different. When they let Welker go, the plan wasn't to simply put a bunch of newbies, untested mystery players onto the field. This was the plan, what we're getting right here. And not unlike Seattle with Percy Harvin, and I guess to a lesser degree, we'll see how healthy is Michael Crabtree at some point coming back for the Niners. This is a Super Bowl contender getting some premier players back. It's the first time all year I thought the Patriots looked like a Super Bowl contender. It always, You know, they're a different team in November and December. You just got to have faith. I mean... A lot Wait, of, did they win the game, by the way? No, I know. We're losing here. We're losing. No, no, that, well. You know what? If you we'll, want we'll to talk about, about it, we'll talk about, we'll talk about our Panthers You want to talk a about a positive, yeah. a positive loss, though. This was that for New England because they were You tell firing. Bill Parcells about positive losses. Listen, I mean, honestly, Brady looked better in this game than he has <laughs> all year, I thought. Well, Wesseling after the game was talking up Cam as a potential MVP candidate, so we well, know he's lost his marvels. Let's parse that language. Said he was in, in the discussion of alternatives to Peyton Manning because it's clearly Peyton Manning. Yeah, after I talked you down from calling him uh, MVP candidate. Hey, look, I'm under orders from <laughs> I'm under orders from my boss Greg Rosenthal to do away with bland headlines such as Panthers beat Patriots. Oh, well, so true. I had to do something. Else. The, the best, by the way, was during this game. To me, it was the game of the year. Uh, Wes and Greg were on one spot of Washington Boulevard in Culver City, and then a half mile down, Greg and my uh, excuse me, Mark and myself were at the Joxers Daily Pub. Mm. Um, oh, I didn't know that. We could have worked from Joxers. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> it's not how it works. Uh, you know, having a few beers. I had some wings that made me sick the next day, but you know, we don't care about that. But there was this. These two different end endings for the ATL crew, and I will say, watching from that bar, that was the game of the year. And you tweeted it, Mark, and I tweeted it the same thing that that was, and a lot of people got upset about that Cowboys and the they Broncos They got really game. upset about that. Yeah, the part I didn't everybody. understand what the, it was what the, definitely over. the game of the year. From minute one to the end, it was tense. It was great. I mean, I thought you were right on the money saying that there was so much up and down, different strategy. Even before that ending, I thought it was the game. Well, of I the think year. people like that Cowboys Broncos game where you know almost a hundred points are scored or whatever. I think this was the game that if you like defense and a little offense, you got everything here. This game was so good it turned my man Dan Handis into a Patriots fan. I've been <laughs> noticing a little trend lately. Well, he was the... openly rooting for Tom Brady. Wow, in that this far, is weren't you? Not all. I, I so. picked them to win. <laughs> But uh, in our, uh, it was, hard to, root for against, yeah. it was right. hard to root against Dan Brady Hanses. down the stretch. All right, I have some evidence here that speaks to it. It was more than just picking them in that game. Dan oh. Hansis tweet at 8.32 uh, Pacific, uh, November 18th, Super Bowl rematch, <laughs> please, from the yeah, Jets fan. Well, that's Dan with a 
a potentially a full pitcher of beer in his belly. I wouldn't. It doesn't count. <laughs> there, <laughs> there was yeah, there was some beer, but I, I <laughs> listen. Count. That puts it into context. It actually puts into context how <laughs> down I am on the Jets now that I can't even like even as a Jets fan, I can only think of real teams that come January. And I don't think the I think the Patriots will get picked off in the playoffs like they always seem to be. That always seems to happen now, but. That would be fun. These teams are two two very even matched teams. Now, one other question I have about this game. So, are we now? In, I know we all love the Panthers in this room, but are the Panthers the best team in the NFC? Are they that good? Could they beat the Seahawks on the road in a big spot in the playoffs? Are they that good? Could they? Yeah. Yes, I think if if you have a good defense and you have Cam Newton as a magician, even though Greg Olson won't call him that anymore. But the way he escapes the pocket, the way he's improving, he's, he has a passer rating over 111 in four of the last six mm. games. They're talking now that he is – Rivera gave him so much credit for changing plays at the line of scrimmage, changing out of passes into runs and vice versa. They said he showed so much leadership on that final drive. He's come up – he came up with three huge drives on in that game. If he really has – and I don't know if he has advanced to the point where this is going to be a consistent thing – because like Greg says, he makes four or five throws a game where you just scratch your head and say, what the, what the heck was that? But if, if Cam can do that and they have that defense and you keep it close, they could win. I don't know if any other team in the NFC can beat the Seahawks in Seattle. I'm not willing to concede that Seattle's number two at this point because I look at that team. Whoa, and- whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say Seattle no, no, was I'm, number two. No, no, but oh, I, no, okay. he's he's Fight. saying is it potentially Carolina number okay. one? I would say no in the sense that Seattle has gotten to where they are with – more than half their offensive line gone. We've we called them a top five team a couple weeks ago. So they go on the road to beat San Francisco. They beat New England. I want to ask though, when it comes to Cam Newton, is he really that much better than he was last year than he is this year, or is it just the fact that? The defense is awesome, and Cam Newton's been pretty good the whole time. I think he's been close to a top-10 quarterback the whole time, and then we're just putting all these narratives and leadership and blah, blah, blah because they're winning games. It's a good question, and I thought about that, that we said earlier in the year, he's basically the same quarterback as he was when he entered the league. He hasn't developed, and I think if you're going to answer that he has developed, it's the stuff that we can't know about. It would be the stuff that the teammates and the coaches know, that he is changing plays at the line of scrimmage, that he is reading defenses better, that he is making better choices, and that in times where the game is on the line, which was the criticism of him in the first two years in the league, they don't win close games. Now, two weeks in a row, they do win close games. I think he's incrementally better. I asked that question, by the way, of course, because I wanted to answer it. Podcast <laughs> trick. Uh, well, I think it. it's a life trick for Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's incrementally better, but the offense isn't any better. They're not a better offense well, than they were a year ago. They're one of the last teams. I think they're dead last in explosive plays, and they were towards the top last year. They're more consistent, but they're conservative. I think he's a little better as a player. They're not any better as an offense. I agree, and I think a big part of that is Steve Smith doesn't have the legs he did a year or two ago. Felt dirty, by the way, rooting for the Patriots. Wait, you're rooting for the rematch, and that was a great yeah. Super Bowl, Panthers-Patriots. Do it again. First of all, you have to factor in that I'm an idiot. <laughs> So that plays into effect, um, but also, but also the beer, the domestic beer. Hey, K. Rich, I know you got upset because we're talking about these NFC powerhouses, but the Eagles didn't come up. So, you, obviously, for you, it's Eagles number one, Seahawks two, Panthers three, correct? 
No, not correct. All right, just, because we still just have testing. Some, we still have some building to do. Maybe next year. Hmm, I like Maybe that. number wow. one in the NFC East. I'm just in the NFC. I'm just being real. Wait, th- Mark actually had a vision about the Eagles, didn't you? You had a dream. You told me this morning. I, it's was a little blurry because it was six in the morning. You, it was some sort of vision, or am I combining memories? Something about the Eagles in a dream. I, was it a Nick I, Foles head injury? No, prediction? I just I couldn't. I think I woke up in the middle of the night last night and I had like. <laughs> I, I looked over number one and I had like my one year old son like right smushed up against my face but it went uh. into this like idea that maybe the Eagles were the team that could get so hot that they roll into the playoffs at like 8 and 8 or 9 and 7 and mow down three straight teams right into the Super Bowl Greg, and then I, I regained consciousness you gotta give Greg, you gotta give Mark a vacation like his beautiful young son comes Eagles. to his face and he doesn't think about wow you know how how much of a joyful life i have <laughs> that this beautiful thing is mine and it came from me no it's like oh, the eagles that. they can go on a run potentially <laughs> Say the eagles sneak into the playoffs and the playoffs are essentially unpredictable now i'm not saying we're the best in the nfc east because there's the seahawks there's the saints who are eight and two i don't think we're number one, but there is a possibility that we could get there. Right, it's nice. I mean, the same thing. Something weird could happen with that team. That team's strange. Wait, so Mark, was this related to or unrelated to the dream where you have a ticket to Australia and yet you still have your wife and stuff and you're not sure if you're supposed to get on the plane? <laughs> no, I've had that dream a million times. I'm not going to waste a lot that of time Simone with it. That Simone does it. not know about the No, dream. I've talked to her about it. It's, it is, <laughs> I am at the airport. And when I was 20, I went to Australia. So it's the same scene of when I actually went in real life. And I have a non-refundable ticket. So even if I don't go, I'm, we're already out the money. Might as well go. So I'm like, do I just get on the plane and go for a week, or do I not go? And I was having this long narrative last you, night, and all these like backpackers <laughs> about to get on this flight, quite, and I didn't go. Quite the conundrum. Are you wearing go. like matching sneakers, like tennis shoes, in the stream? I'm like fit in it. Like I, it's, I'm <laughs> summered. I'm tan. You know, I have no thoughts or worries. Um, all right, great. K. Rich, uh, what's in the news? Oh, gotta love it. K. Rich of the headlines. All right. Bonkers sacks. That was some bonkers sacks. Okay, Rich, what is in the news today? All right, first up, the Raiders will stick with Matt McGloin at quarterback. And is this the end of Terrell Pryor's reign? McLovin. You called it first on Sunday. He was, look, the guy came out, and we said he's throwing darts all over the field. He looked composed, poised in the pocket, made great decisions, knew the offense. Looked like the poor man's Jeff Garcia that they said he was. I found it. Like, before the game even started, Mike Silver has a report on Sunday morning saying that the Raiders are prepared to stick with the hot hand. So it seemed like they had already set the table for for him to take over entirely. I mean, Pryor's not look good in weeks. He's not the hot hand. He's not even on the field. It seems like they've been planning this for a while. They've liked him all season. If you remember, even before the season started or when Pryor was – Right about the season was just going, getting going, there was a report, I think it was from Rappaport, which was that the Raiders weren't comfortable internally with this decision to have prior even starting. So it doesn't sound like, obviously it was Al Davis's last draft pick. So I think, you know, there was some sentiment there, but at the same time, I don't think the organization was ever all in on prior to start with. No. He didn't give him any choice. There, I don't care how good Terrell Pryor has looked this year. McGloin played so well. There was no decision. To be made. I think he played a better game than any game Geno Smith or E.J. Manuel's played this year. I, I, I agree. I, I almost think the Jeff Garcia thing isn't giving him enough credit. 
not that he couldn't have a great – I mean, Jeff Garcia had a great career, but his arm wasn't that bad. He had a couple passes down the field, 50 yards outside the number that were right on the money. Jeff Garcia wasn't making those throws. He had a great three quarters. Didn't play in the fourth quarter, but, I mean, he was outstanding. You know, Casserly went to – Raiders training camp and back in September said bar none he has the best arm of any, anyone in camp. McLovin? Yeah. He said that way back then and I guess, I don't know, it just shows how quickly things can change at quarterback because a month ago we were saying there's no better athlete on the field than Terrell Pryor. He's able to take over a game doing X, Y, and Z, but he's not a complete quarterback and if they come out of this having found one, what a coup d'etat for Reggie McKenzie who otherwise has made a, a number of mistakes. It reminds me of the uh Tebow debate, the the prior debate in the red in the uh, Raiders front office, the football lifers, the scouts, there there are going to be guys who never will get on board with a quarterback who is a runner first, passer second, and Pryor doesn't do a lot of things that quarterbacks in the NFL needs to do as far as reading at the line of scrimmage, passing, making decisions in the pocket. And I'm betting that certain people in that front office will never see him as the guy. McGloin wasn't even invited to the scouting combine. I mean, that is a pretty He was a walk-on. Ama- he was a walk-on at college, but he wasn't even invited, and he's a rookie. That's about as big an underdog story as you're going to find. But we should be careful, because we could three weeks from now say <laughs> completely different things about this player. Yeah, it was, one, it was one, one game. game. All yeah. I mean is he played so well, he had to play a second. All right, and Mark, don't think I missed coup d'etat. It's a three-point <laughs> nice. word. Well played. All right, guys. Well, it is the week that Kennedy was assassinated, so. <laughs> nice. Nice Kennedy joke. Nice. Boom. I'm not sure <laughs> nice it was connection. a joke. <laughs> Crumbling society. Nice if connection. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Karen. Next up, Ed Reed. <laughs> he's back at it. The Houston Texans defensive coordinator, Wade Phillips, he said that he's probably the reason he's not with the Texans anymore. JFK killed by a Texan. <laughs> wow! You don't know that, Greg. You predicted it last week that uh, that Ed Reed was going to say something, mm. but you you kind of I think meant more about the Jets and turning that into a circus situation. But this is more a callback to his doomed Houston Texans tenure. Speaking of circus situations, the Houston Texans, yes. right? And he talked about. I thought the most interesting thing Reed said was that defense didn't fit me, you know, talking about Ed Reed, and it doesn't fit a lot of people in that locker room, and they know it. That's the truth. So it spoke to some, which is surprising because it's a great defense, but that fit them last year. That's peculiar because Wade Phillips came in and maximized most of his talent last year. I have my theory. Ed Reed is used to being the smartest guy in the defensive meeting room, you know, probably being kind of the coach on the field, and he probably didn't like that Wade Phillips was, was that guy. What else is in the news, K. Rich? All right, guys, last up. Baltimore Ravens fans will be glad about this. Dennis Pitta returned to practice today. I don't know what to make of this because when we see players activated off the pup list, today was the, the last day they had to make this decision or else he goes on seizing any IR. We've seen guys be activated from the pup list and return to practice and are still four weeks away from playing. This is more of a procedural procedural move, I think. Right, and if they don't listen, I mean, it, it, in theory, if Baltimore is going to make a run here at some sort of a wild card berth, Pitta would be a great addition for an offense that sorely missed him. But if he's not going to come back for three weeks or so, 
they could be long gone by then. Well, and if you just want to be optimistic, let's say he is feeling great. And I did see a tweet that he seemed to be moving well today. Who knows what He's any of this means at this point. He's been working out since last month. Right. So if he did come back and could make an impact, that's huge for a Ravens team that has missed him sorely in the red zone. Joe Flacco has obviously struggled at times this year. So we don't know what to make of that, but it, it, it's a promising development. I'll never for the remember, Ravens. forget uh, writing a post about Ed Dixon becoming their move tight end. It's like, <laughs> move give me tight a break. end. That was one of my takeaways from uh, from watching Game Rewind again this week. If ever you thought Ed Dixon was going to make a catch in traffic with a defender within four feet of him, it's never going to happen. He's twelve. He catches. drops everything that like is slightly contested. Well, I feel like we knew that by week. Uh, quarter three of the Thursday night opener, where he was just <laughs> was absolutely dreadful. We did. I just it was just reinforced to me. <laughs> stick a fork in him. All right, that is uh, that is our theme for the stick a fork in him uh, segment of our podcast, where we officially officially end a team's hopes of uh, making the postseason, basically telling them why are you even here at this point? You're a joke to us. Well, maybe not that strong, but you're not going to make the playoffs. You're not playing in January. Um, so this will be a big one. We're going to have multiple teams being forked today. We're at that time of the year, so let's get going. Here lies the Houston Texans. I don't feel quite comfortable with this narrative device considering the uncertain health of their head coach. Still, they can take into the afterlife the knowledge that Chris Wessling never stopped believing. I stopped believing in the third quarter of Sunday's game (laughs) when Gary Kubiak was so tone deaf to his entire fan base who only wanted to see if Case Keenum could possibly be the answer and they were done with Schaub a month ago. That was so weird. He was so tone deaf to to their wants and needs that he pulled a quarterback who wasn't playing badly in favor of a quarterback who has played more Worse than any quarterback in the NFL this season. That felt to me because there's obvious questions about whether Kubiak will be back next season. Unlikely. Likely. I don't think there's any question anymore. And He's we gone. know Schaub won't, so it was a nod to the guy that he kind of rose up there with. But it was very strange. And you talk about not giving what the fans want. I don't. Th- I think he lost the locker room potentially mm. a little bit with that move. If this was an old Western movie, they would both be railroaded out of town. It was insane. I mean, Rashad Jennings and Rod Streeter and McGloin is crushing your defense. Andre Johnson drops a wide open third down catch. Garrett Graham fumbles a ball. And then you bench Keenum, who's been the best thing about this team over the last month, who is not having a bad game. And Schaub made more bad throws in his first three drives than Keenum made the whole game before that. How comfortable do we feel um, with the idea that the Texans can basically put this season behind them and be a contender again Hmm. this time next September? Well, look at it this way. Look who they play this week, the Jaguars. This could be for the number one overall draft pick. To me, the question is, are it? Do we use the final six games to see if Case Keenum is the guy? Because you could be drafting the best quarterback in the in the draft That's next. That's a big decision to to, uh, and that even it adds more to the baffling notion of why would you pull Keenum out when you need as much time to see what this guy is? But maybe Kubiak's not thinking. Well, unless at this you're point. not going to be the guy 
to uh, go forward with Keenum Kubiak, or anyone else in Houston. Kubiak's been there so long and has a very specific offensive system that it's a total rebuild, and whatever Keenum does well might not really fit the next coach. And it it's going to be tough for this team to be a contender right away again. They have a lot of pieces, but can can the new coach keep Wade Phillips? Because if they don't, then it's starting over on defense too, and that's tough. Here lies the Washington Redskins, a team that sincerely believed having RG3 ready for week one was the biggest problem they'd ever face. <laughs> Is Mike Shanahan's face red in heaven? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were afraid to fork the Redskins at three and six because last year, that's exactly when we forked them in print and they came back. And they got us. And the Red Cross benefited because people don't know. If, if we get any of these wrong, we're going to donate money to the charity of our reader's choice. Last year, I, I donated to the Red Cross. We will also never do the segment ever again if we get any you know, wrong. So there's sure a lot at stake. 80 cents to the Red Cross and probably didn't make a major difference. Some people Triple make quiet figures. donations and you never hear about it. We've been told about Greg's donation to the Red Cross <laughs> well, about I'm once just... a month for about two years now. we got to tell what, the people what's at stake. <laughs> anyway. What a depressing team. I, you, you say we didn't want to fork them, and I understand that we had to be unanimous, but I haven't seen a whole lot from the Redskins that wouldn't have allowed me to make this decision a couple weeks ago. To me, that Vikings loss uh, a couple weeks back was the one where I was like, okay, this team is different than last year. Uh, there was no magic. And really, that's the only reason they, they were able to make them. It was a magical run to get them in where RG3 was going off. And I know we've talked about RG3 played well against the Vikings in that bad loss. But again, he was back to his old tricks uh, this past week, and and he's catching a lot of heat this year. It's been a really, really tough year for this guy, both in terms of his physical play and how he's perceived. He went from the darling that seemed like the, the future face of the NFL to a guy that seems to be ripe to be taken down by anybody at this point about his attitude and how he, how he carries himself. He's 23, 24 years old. We saw a huge difference this week in how Eli Manning and Tom Brady reacted to horrible interceptions Eli Manning said ah that's what happens when you make a bad throw I threw it to the other team Tom Brady said I made a bad throw to end the game Robert Griffin III said well my guys couldn't get open I had to throw off my back foot you saw what happened he'll learn not to do that kind of thing and he won't take as much heat but he's so young right now it's not chronic we've only seen a few moments like that from him he's been a pretty good teammate right right and I think that all gets overblown when you're winning we don't talk about that when you're losing. It gets magnified. But that story, I'm not usually into the leadership type of stories, but it's interesting how that bubbled up, that it was reported that basically on CSN that Griffin got a protection wrong on that call. On that play, he made the wrong protection call, which made, which ruined the whole play. And then some teammates heard those quotes and they didn't appreciate it because it made it sound like we weren't getting open when they knew he made a mistake on that play. And that's why Santana Moss winds up talking to the press, and then he backs off from it. I don't think all that stuff mattered. I just wonder, is Shanahan here next year? Let me take a guess at this situation. What? Shanahan has one year left on his contract. He's going to lose any kind of power struggle with RG3. To me, Shanahan returns for one year. They don't extend him. Mm. They say, if you want to get in the Hall of Fame so bad, here's the pressure. Go win this year. To me, he does want to get in the Hall of Fame, and this is his last chance. He has to prove he can do it without Elway and Terrell Davis. This is his last chance. Let him dangle for a year. 
Let him do it. And maybe he has to fire Jim Haslett. I have a theory on Shanahan, which is that he took this job not quite with the same amount of gusto that he would have been coaching earlier in his career. It was a lot of money, and he sets up his son with an offensive coordinator job. And I don't know if you ever looked at the assistants on offense on that team. They're young. They're all younger than us. They're all Kyle Shanahan's buddies. Are you saying this is like a frat party? I'm just saying I don't know if Mike Shanahan's quite as invest, in it, invested. invested as he was early in his career. We'll be hearing from in, the Another interesting theory from Greg. <laughs> All right. Thanks. <laughs> you guys love it. Guys, show some respect. Here lies the Tennessee Titans who took the human form of a girl that flirts with you all night at the bar only to leave at 2 a.m. with the dude with the stupid motorcycle. <laughs> True enough. Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of looks like that dude, though. He did. I, I thought about that somehow. I don't, I don't <laughs> think Fitzpatrick's getting on any motorcycle. He's got the big beard. He's but since that analogy probably makes no sense to 96% of the people listening, just they... Kind of reeled in a lot of us, especially I remember, you know, when uh, Jake Locker was laying it on my Jets and they looked great. I think they were three and one, and then he got back, and it seemed like okay, maybe we'll make a run. And now he's back out, and maybe they've had some bad games. They're just, they're just not the team. You know? This team went, I think, the first four weeks without a turnover. They played solid football. And in a way, kind of like the Chiefs, where if you're going to do nothing wrong for ten weeks, yeah, you're going to go eight and two, nine and one in this league. Tennessee then started to show cracks, and then for the umpteen year in a row, they lose Jake Locker, and I think they've got a ton of questions going into the offseason. I feel totally confident in this fork, even though I picked the Titans to win this weekend against another team that we forked, the Raiders. Both of those teams are 4-6. and six. They're only one game out of the playoff spot. What about the Titans made you guys confident in forking them and not all these other 4-6 and six teams? It's more about what the Titans don't have, which is any kind of identity. What You've said it. What do they do well? They're mediocre on offense, they're mediocre on defense, and they have a backup quarterback. And at this point, you've got to ask, if you are Munchak and you're still around after the season, another guy, a lot of these teams were forking, big coaching questions. But secondly, do we actually have a quarterback in Jake Locker unless we're going to invest heavily in someone that can come in and play six games? And are we tired of... Forming the offense around Chris Johnson. And they have a big decision to make. Uh, Rap Sheet reported a couple days ago, you know, Locker has a lot of money coming I, his uh, way. I reported that. Oh, you did? Yeah, I reported that two days before Rap Sheet. Chris Wessling stepping up with the reporting. Not just an aggregator. Yeah, I, I reported that. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, then you explain <laughs> it to the people. <laughs> Ian's always trying to take your credit. I know, I know. Well, he has. he's under contract for next season at just over $2 million, but... The Titans have to decide right before the draft whether to pick up his 2015 option, which is approximately 13 to $15 million. So they have a huge decision they have to make by then. And that isn't the only decision. I, to me, Munchak's probably gone. Bud Adams is no longer the owner. They have new ownership there. They probably want to bring in their own guy. Uh, he's already said he wants to establish a very aggressive identity. The new owner has said that. Uh, it sounds like they want a different guy in there, and uh, I think they have huge decisions at quarterback, head coach, and Chris Johnson. 
I don't think it's a decision with Chris Johnson. He's it would gone. be insane if they brought Chris Johnson back. I thought it was crazy that they brought him back this year at that salary, considering what he's been doing. I think 20 to 25 teams wouldn't have even thought about well, cut him last year. Forget it. They want a defense, ball control, aggressive mentality. Chris Johnson is the worst running back in the NFL if you want a ball control offense. He's due $8 million, or he's due eight million next year. That's not going to happen. Yikes. You got Sean Green. Your problems are over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So those are our three fork teams this week. And now I just jotted it down and tell me if I missed anybody. Our fork teams so far as we head towards Thanksgiving, the Texans, the Redskins, the Titans, the Raiders, the Jaguars, the Falcons, the Bucks, the Vikings, the Rams. Did I get them all? Sounds like it. Yeah. I'm looking Who at those. The, the teams know, though. I can tell you that because they've already <laughs> packed up the trucks. And right. it's basically there's no practices anymore. Mayflower. They just go to Dave and Buster's. Down. They've shut down. The, it's operation the shut Browns down. still living. Still living. I Big game this a, week. We've got to fork off between the Browns and Steelers. Well, I guess some of you don't think the Steelers, if they lose this game, are, they're still alive in your minds. I think whoever loses that is done. I think the Steelers are pro- prohibitive favorites for the number six seed. We've got a new segment. There's no uh, segment music for it. K-Rich might That might be another task for K-Rich to have to deal with. Not yet. Um, it, this one's called... What's Wes watching on his day off? <laughs> well, I felt like I had some penance to do for uh, my anti-EJ Manuel column on Saturday when I said Geno Smith has been the better of the two rookie quarterbacks. And mm-hmm. probably Mike Glennon's been better than both of them. I like this accountability. You don't see this a lot in this game. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. So I went back and watched the Jets-Bills game. And a couple of takeaways. I didn't think that Geno Smith was an abject disaster. That's crazy. For the reason that he was playing against 11 Maniacs on defense. It was like playing against the Seahawks in Seattle. That's how the Bills came out frothing at the mouth with an unbelievable amount of intensity. And to me, any time the Bills take the field at home, they have the two best athletes in the, on the field in Mario Williams and Kiko Alonso. That goes a long way. Kyle Williams is playing like a man possessed. Marcel Darius has been, the last month and a half, possibly the best defensive tackle in football. Jairus Bird is a top three safety. I call him Jairus. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> this this defense, I, I question whether they play with the same intensity on the road. But they have the makings of an elite defense. I will say this. Um, the Marcel Darius hit on Geno Smith on the fourth play of the game. That, Although you can't tell at the time, that essentially ended the game. Because Geno Smith after that, wasn't the same. He, had, he was down on the field for several minutes or a couple minutes, and then missed the play, came back, and was completely gun-shy after that. But that's what this defense can do, especially that defensive line. There's some stuff. I there. noticed that hit, too, and wondered why Moore was, wasn't made of it. I mean, Darius just nailed him with his helmet right in the solar plexus. And Geno went down like he had to catch his breath for a minute or two. Because the game was and, in Buffalo, that's why. People get lost there. It's like Kyle Williams has been one of the best defensive players in football the last – I'm not saying one of the top five, but he's been in the group of most consistent, and no one no one talks about well, Kyle Williams. To he's hear, been on a roll. To hear Marshawn Lynch tell it, it's the Siberia of the NFL. <laughs> Let, Wes, let's continue to cycle back through your history tab on your internet browser at home. What <laughs> Are you did, sure? <laughs> what else did you watch on your day off? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I like the uh, Ravens-Bears game. It's kind of a reminder that the bad weather is coming in the NFL, and this changes things. A lot of smart people believe Peyton Manning was a different quarterback in that playoff game in the loss than he was earlier in the year, that his arm wasn't the same, maybe he couldn't get the same grip on the ball. Weather will be a factor, and I think 
There's this faction of NFL fans that believes you should only play the game in pristine conditions, and it's a sin that the Raiders have a baseball field in the middle of the football field, and they shouldn't be playing in slop. I remember the Steelers-Dolphins monsoon game a few years back, and people were like, oh, that shouldn't count in the standings. It, it's not even football. Shut up. It's crazy. This is this is the way football should be played. I thought it was fun to watch. And this November comes calling. It's like the uh, John Facenda music. The uh, Yeah. You know, it's a different game now. All these pretty passing statistics from earlier in the year kind of go, go down the drain. All Isn't right. this why some of these like like four and six teams, like the Ravens or the Steelers, that are conditioned to playing in bad weather, aren't dead? Because listen, the next six seven games are made for these teams. And Ray Rice is a mutter. Sunday night yes, in Foxborough, low of eighteen degrees overnight for wow. Broncos Patriots. So it, any of that theory about Manning in the cold weather? We'll see. I mean, maybe it has to be below 10 degrees or something. You never know. And, Wes, the, you know how you have the navigation bar across the top here? And there's the arrow, and then you click down, and it shows everything you've been watching at, in your uh, apartment. Anything else? Park, <laughs> parks and recreation <laughs> I've been watching. No, he's keeping it G. I like it. What? <laughs> PG. Yeah, what I'm just asking about what he's been watching. That's all. Parks and recreation. I, I watched a movie on Netflix at Mark Sessler's recommendation, The Long Goodbye. Oh, okay. So now we're kind of getting off the football tip but still that's good i to do know. have a life outside of football unlike mark not much of sun comes to his face papa and mark's like i want the eagles to make it to the playoffs this year and go deep that is a mischaracterization of reality but we're <laughs> this is not actually real life so let's spray john <laughs> um all right okay before we go we will and thank you for that wes hey my I, pleasure i thought that was very informative um before we go we'll touch on the first game of Week 12, the Thursday night football game, uh, a game that looked great in September or in August, and now it doesn't look so great. But we will talk about it. The New Orleans Saints uh, head to Atlanta, the Georgia Dome, to face the Falcons. Hey, look at And Wes just, I loved what he just said about the cold weather. Yes. It's night. It's November. It's time. Oh, naturally, no matter where this is played, it's going to be in some 72-degree dome where the noise in the crowd is muted out on national TV. Snooze fest. Sorry, this is not my type of game. I know know that Greg loves Falcons-Saints primetime games. He remembers my rant before week one of this season when I guaranteed that they would have a great game that would come down to the end because there's no better rivalry in terms of the quality of the games. And what happened? People don't remember, but it came down to the last play of the game. The Saints were very lucky to escape that game with a win. Uh, Matt Ryan was on the doorstep, so maybe we get a good game. How's that for being a good NFL employee? That was back before Julio Jones was (laughs) lost for the year. The Saints aren't that good on the road, so maybe you know one of those last stand type games for the Falcons where they you know they put up a fight. Matt Ryan's not playing very well right now. We don't even know if Tony Gonzalez is playing. Uh, He's expected to. Is they're, he expected to play? All right. They're probably the second worst team in the NFL right now. They're giving up eleven. The more Bucks points. smacked them around. They, yeah, yeah, and it's like we got to beat they're some teams though, in the second half. The Bucks? Yeah, maybe. The Falcons have stopped being competitive. I agree with you. I think they're probably number thirty-one right now. That's sad. All right, everybody. That is it for <laughs> Wednesday's podcast. We will be back. We will discuss that game, which. Greg has promised we'll go down to the final play, something 63-61, something like that it sounds like. Uh, we will also talk about the rest of the Week 12 games and uh, anything else that strikes us in the I, world uh, of the NFL. I want to say goodbye for four podcasts. 
Wow, this is devastating. Where are you I'm going to be? I'm uh, going back to Tybee Island, Georgia, for Thanksgiving week, and I will miss two Fridays, a Sunday and a Wednesday. I hope to be, I will be available by phone call on Sunday and Wednesday, definitely, but I'll be flying on both Fridays. Well, we will definitely reach. We're going to get you on <laughs> because that is not easy to deal with. We have this What's West watching segment just getting off the ground, and now we've got to table it. <laughs> That's upsetting. Uh, but it might be a different on. answer on what I'm watching by next week. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. Uh, one other thing. Congratulations in order to the Dave Damashek football program. Five million downloads? Wow. Five million. Is that the statistic? Yeah, five, yeah. I think it's 500 million. No. No, five million. <laughs> we have reached five hundred total. <laughs> so start downloading more. But yes, uh, Dave Damashek, congratulations! You are a mensch, as is said in his culture and yours, Greg. Yeah, I was on a. I, I was on a <laughs> well, I'm not really in the culture. I I was on a radio show this week that didn't know. You know, I was on a podcast, but they said they listen to Damashek all the time. And that's, wow, that's an outrage. I, re- I recommend that. It's a great podcast. Uh, congrats, Dave. All right, so uh, that's it. We will be back. Uh, signing off, this is Dan Hansis for The Mailman, The Boss, The Sizzler, K-Rich Behind the Glass, and eh, Lyle, The ATL Intern. Until Friday. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room... Ugh. Loser, piece of <laughs> Please keep keep that. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.